tonight because that's scheduled to run Wednesdays and today is Tuesday. So anyways, come on in, grab a seat. It's time for church to start tonight. It's good to have you tonight. Turkey Tuesday, Thanksgiving week. I'm ready for Thanksgiving. Hope you are too because even if you're not, it's happening in two days. Real quick, uh, somebody run and get me one of those yellow envelopes real fast. Um, this past Sunday, but this continues. Let me see one there. Thank you, sir. Don't forget our yearly Thanksgiving offering. Uh, we, we started taking it this past Sunday. You can keep giving this. Uh, it's just an appreciation offering above and beyond your tithe and your normal offering. Every year is designated to a project in the church, and this year is designated to deal with our sidewalk on the north front of our building. So uh, if you're if you're feel led, if you're interested in giving to that, you have not yet, please grab one of the envelopes, uh, ask the usher for it, you can give tonight, you can give Sunday, uh, even, even the next week if you want to keep giving uh, at that point. So uh, don't forget about that. It is youth hangout tonight, so when uh, worship's over, kids' church is dismissed, and also youth hangout, you can follow Eric and uh, Justice, okay? And we've got a whole bunch of stuff happening in December, by the way. A Christmas party at the church on December 10th for the whole church. There's something happening every Sunday in December for the kids. Uh, the youth will have their party uh, on the second uh, Wednesday of the month that you hang out. So lots of things happening in December here at church. And, of course, uh, our candlelight Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve. So, anyways, keep watching for all the details of things that are happening in December. So, let's stand up on our feet tonight and let's worship Jesus together.
God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, pour it out. bondages, God. Lord, we pray that you would come, that you would awaken our cities, God. That you would use us, Father, to spread the gospel. That we would be your rescuers here on earth, God. That we would be your tools, Lord. That you would use us for long-term discipleship as a church, Father. That we would be a light, a city on a hill, God. Knowing that where your light is, darkness cannot be. Break every chain. Release every shackle in Jesus' name. You called us to care. 
where they just need to hear your voice, God. I pray that you would speak so clearly, that they would see your hand in their lives, Lord. Oh, we're just crying out for you, Lord. We want more of you, less of us, God, and more of you, Lord. Come and have your way with us, God. We want more our hearts tonight in the name above every other name in Jesus holy name amen amen he's so good we're excited to have you guys with us tonight if you would go around and greet some of your family of faith and kids and youth you are dismissed See you. Seems a little dark in here, doesn't it? Chris, can you make sure the lights are up all the way, please. There we go. I thought I thought I got really old between start of worship till till now, like something from my eyes. Well, it's good to have you tonight. We'll we'll still give everybody a chance to get their kids checked in the kids' church and all that and get back up here. Live streamers, good to have you. Hopefully everybody remembered uh, Tuesday service instead of Wednesday this week. While we're waiting, by the way, I keep being asked to say this and I keep forgetting, uh, our coat rack back there is just jammed full of lost and found. So uh, please search through it. It's mostly kids' jackets, surprise, surprise. So uh, please search through it and, and get jackets that belong to you lest they find their way to goodwill pretty soon, all right? So, just saying that. 
Well, tithe and offering, if you have something to, to give, and if you still have your Thanksgiving offering too, you can give that. Uh, offering all those in chairs in front of you. If not, ushers have them. You can wave your hand around and Drew will help you out. But let me, uh, let me pray over your giving tonight. If you have something, you can run it down to the baskets. Lord, we thank you. It's a Tuesday night. We're usually not here, but it's good to be here. And I thank you, Jesus, because you are who you are. And we come to your house to be together and worship and fellowship and, and hear the word. And, and I pray in, in Jesus' name that everything we do, it glorifies you. So as we give tonight that life of faith that we're living, constantly following, uh, following you and allowing you to be God. And we thank you for the, the increase. Lord, this, this is a week of thanksgiving. We are so thankful, Lord for the provision in our lives that, that comes from you. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. So bring it if you got it. Don't, do not, do not allow offense to rule your life. Don't let offense rule your life. Because offense will lead to bitterness, which often has a root that, that, it sort of in a certain way hides itself to the person that has the root, but it shows up in certain ways. But offense leads to bitterness. And when bitterness has its way, uh, that's a hard root to pull if you're not careful. The way you don't let offense rule your life is to be a person of forgiveness. And there's a certain level of maturity in the faith 
that use perceived offenses or actual literal wrong. I've, I've found people are offended by perceived things that weren't really what they got offended over. You know what I'm saying? A ball hill got made into a mountain. But sometimes it literally is a mountain. It wasn't exaggerated at all. But the point is this, is the, the way you deal with offense is forgiveness. And when it comes to relationship, then reconciliation. Don't let offense rule your life. Because offense, offense somehow, some way will end up isolating you. And it's no way to live. Right? Amen? Okay, I don't know. There's nothing to do with what I was talking about. It's just in my heart, so there you go. Philippians chapter 4, if you got your Bible. Thank you, Samara. Philippians chapter 4. And what good is it to be offended at Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up? Have you ever seen the movie Home Alone? Remember the old man that was next door that he was so scared of? And now, I don't know why I'm thinking about this. Just roll with me for a second. And remember the whole gist of that story was he hadn't talked to, was it his son or his daughter? Son? Over something that happened so long ago. You know what I'm saying? It's no way to live life. Now, I, th- I think, I think, it, have you ever been in a fight with your spouse? Yes, okay. But, but it was in such a way that nobody wants to make the first step to break the ice and make up. And you're kind of waiting it out. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. It gets that way with offense. That eventually somebody's got to take a step and say, hey, whatever is going on here, this is not worth it. Right? Most cases. Not worth it. Don't let offense rule your life. Because the enemy, the enemy likes to play with that so much. So much. Because that bitterness, by the way, uh, starts to connect with your pride. Now you have a right to be offended. And I certainly am not going to take the first step. You know, and, and it turns into all that kind of mess. So don't let offense rule your wife. Life. Anyway, okay, uh, I said don't let offense rule your wife. I'm sorry, my, your life came out wrong. So you may not have offense rule you. Anyways, amen. Philippians chapter 4. So every year on Turkey Tuesday, I teach on the same subject. And I told you last year I was going to do it this year. And I remembered I said it. You know what's going to happen next year on Turkey Tuesday? And so uh, Philippians chapter 4, because we need this reminder. And Philippians chapter 4 has one of the most quoted verses in the entire Bible, but a lot of times I hear it out of context. Uh, I, there's a guy in the office, I won't say his name, Pastor Tim, who has a, a mug, <laughs> has a mug, and the mug says, and he, he has it in jest, but it says, I can do all things through Christ, or I can do all things through a Bible verse taken out of context. So, 
let's read this, and I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Verse 10 of Philippians 4, Paul writes, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern, revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had uh, no opportunity. So uh, the Philippian church uh, at one time had provided for Paul in some manner, and, and they, they know uh, of, of needs and have concern for him, but lately, uh, apparently, they, they didn't have an opportunity to do something about that. But, but he's thankful that they revived their concern for him. So verse 11 says, Now that I'm speaking of being in need, and watch this, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Everybody say that word, content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Other translations say, I know what it's like to have little, and I know what it's like to have a lot. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, having a lot, and hunger, not having much, having abundance, having much, and need, not having much. And right here is the secret. I can do all things. I can do all things through him or through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. Paul, doing the, the ministry work that he did and the, the traveling that he did, he, he found times where it wasn't going that great. He was in need, part of the nature of the business that he was in. But other times he found he had, he had plenty. And, and Paul, in the wide range of experiences of his life, is thankful for people like the church in Philippi who had concern for him at times would do something for his needs. But he said, beyond that, I want you to know something. I have learned how to be content no matter the situation of my life. Now, this, in, in every Turkey Tuesday, we talk about contentment. Thanksgiving week, right? Because I believe that contentment is one of the keys to a life that is able to live the Jesus way because contentment allows you to focus on it and not have to worry about chasing other things, which was the whole entire subject of our sermon this past Sunday. Okay? Contentment is simply peace, a sense of assurance, a sense of satisfaction. So when Paul had times when he had abundance, he was content. He had peace, he had assurance, he had satisfaction. But also in times that he had little, he still had peace, he had assurance, and he had satisfaction. So contentment is not based on your situation. Contentment is a state of being because of something outside of yourself that you know. And what that is, and here is the verse that's taken out of context a lot. I can do all things through him, through Christ Jesus, who gives me strength. Now, 
That does not mean I can do all things because I want to be an NBA player, so I'm going to pray that I can be an NBA player, and if I'm not an NBA player, then God didn't answer my prayer, and it's all fake. I mean, know what I'm talking about. I can do all things. In other words, no matter the situation I'm facing in life, it's context to this, I can do what is in front of me because the source of my life is not what I have, but strength of God. Therefore, I can do all things. Therefore, whether I'm in abundance or whether I am in lack, I'm going to be able to make it because it is Jesus who will strengthen me to make it. That's the context of it. But first, you'll never learn to be content unless you realize the strength of God for your life. That's number one. But secondly, sometimes I think we just simply aren't content because of a dissatisfaction with the state of our life that sometimes may be warranted, but sometimes not. Now, I'm not saying this because you should not want to achieve things in life and make plans, and, and, and I'm not saying that. But the point is that today, if you are in lack or you don't have enough or you don't have what you'd like to have, be content. Have assurance, have peace, have satisfaction, because no matter your circumstance, Jesus will see you through. Amen. That, that's what we're talking about here. So, contentment is an attitude that you start to take in your life. I think sometimes you've got to take a couple steps back and calm yourself down. Right? And, and start to see, and by, by the way, parents, listen to me. Listen to me. There, there, I could make you a list of, of, of 10 things your kids need to learn. Contentment will be in that 10. Teach your kids how to be content. Show them contentment, okay? Not that you can't provide and, and do nice things for your kids. I'm not saying that, but they have to come out of your household being content. It is part of the foundation to staying in the Christian faith. Because the temptations that draw from non-contentment are things that cause us to step outside of the faith a lot and put our cross down, as we were talking about this past Sunday. Contentment is one of those, a, a virtue, it, it, it's, it's part of the Christian ethic, however you want to put it, that allows you to stay focused on living the Christian life. How is it that Paul never gave up and keep going and going and going until he was finally uh, killed for the cause of Christ. What caused him to keep going even when he ended up in prison or shipwrecked or beat or stoned and all the different things that happened? Why would he keep going? Because no matter his situation, he was content. It was not based on what he had. You want to put it in our context, it wasn't based on the kind of house that he owned. Or the, or the amount of clothes in his closet, or the kind of car he drove. Now, I'm not against you having nice things. I think my house is okay, nice. I drive a car I like. I splurged, middle-aged, you know, crisis. I went and got a car I wanted. 
I've got more than a couple things in my closet. Nothing wrong with those things, as long as they don't rule my life. And if I lost them tomorrow, I wouldn't go into this tailspin, my life's over. Right? I'm content. Because contentment allows you to focus on what is most important. Now, this, this thing of contentment comes up with Paul. So 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse number 6. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness, in other words, the, the, the godly nature that should be growing in you. But godliness with what? Contentment is great gain. In other words, learning to live no matter your situation with peace and assurance and satisfaction. Why? Because we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of it. Joe, by the way, Joe and Kelly had their baby, if you didn't know that. Hey, man, everybody's healthy. It's great. Her name's Sienna. Right? Okay, I'm right. Sienna brought nothing into this world. She came in as is. And Sienna's going to live a long and healthy and fruitful life. But when Sienna eventually reaches the end, we'll just say 102, He's going to take nothing out of it. You, you know, uh, there, there's some uh, um, uh, cultures in the past, they tried to send things with them. Egyptian pharaohs, they buried them with all sorts of stuff. Animals, boats, food, you name it. You know what? It's been dug up. It's still there. You're not taking anything with you. So anything you gain in this life is not worth the loss of the focus of what is most important. And just to say we said Sunday, you can gain whatever's compatible with at the same time carrying your cross daily. Right? Contentment means, and it says, I know that I leave nothing with this world. Now, having said that, verse 8, but if we have food and if we have clothing, with these we will be content. Now, okay, I'm looking around the crowd. Thank goodness everybody has clothes. <laughs> And, and I, hope, I hope when you get home, see, I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to be hungry. And by the time we get there, it'll be nine something. I shouldn't, but I'll eat something. You know why? Because I have food in my house. Do I ever complain to you there's no food in our house? Yeah. But when I complain to you there's no food, is there food in the house? Why do I complain? Bingo. I want something that I just open the fridge. Ah, I can just start eating. 
she's got stuff in there I have to make. I don't like that. What's the point of that? I don't know. We live in a day and age. How many of you ever seen the Jetsons? You were a kid cartoon. He pressed a button. It just came out. I, I'm waiting. That's just my I want that. But, but I have food. I, I, I hope everybody here has food. So if you have clothing and you have food and you have a shelter over your head, be content. Now, there, there are those in our society around the world where that's a struggle. Okay? And we should help those in need. Right? That's what the Bible says. But if you have those things, learn to be content. By the way, quit comparing yourself with people that have stuff that you don't have that you want. Again, there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting things. I'm not saying that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But it can't control and rule your life. Be content with what you have. Because what, what Paul keeps writing here, watch what he says. But those who desire to be rich fall in temptation and into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's a pretty strong statement. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. See that? And money is often the, the, the center of desire and wants beyond what we have. Money. The ability to have on hand to get what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and the whole business. And the desire for money will take you outside of contentment to begin to do things and chase things and focus on things that can bring temptations into things that you should not be into. Right? And I, I can tell you, I could probably, I want to just tell some stories. I could tell you some stories of a mom or a dad that desired so much to have, and not just have, but also have for their family, that they all they did was work, and then they never had a family. You see what I'm getting at? Nothing wrong with providing. I provide for my family, but, but a lack of contentment will drive you into pursuing something that sounds good, but ends up in destruction. Right? So, Contentment is an attitude of life that you must take on. Now, I'll tell you one way that you learn to be content. You start thanking God for what you have. That, that you take stock of what you have. Now, I'll be really honest with you. In United States social structure, I and my family live a middle class life. There are some people look at us and say, you live upper middle class. I don't know. That's somebody else's call, I guess. And it's true. For the rest of the world, we're wealthy. Wealthy. Absolutely wealthy. But yet I could easily sit there and complain what I don't have. 
I can easily sit there and want something else or want something more and then turn to a life of driving myself to get things that will not go with me. Right? Contentment caused me to take stock. I got food. I got clothes. I got roof over my head. I'm doing all right. Not just all right, I'm doing good enough. As a matter of fact, in the cases of what some other people face and struggle, I'm doing more than good. There, there are times when uh, I'm just thinking or I'm praying or I'm, I'm contemplating things, and, and a sense of thankfulness will just grab me. And I'll just start, Lord, I just thank you so much for, for the house that I have. My goodness. Never would have thought that, you know, could have been enabled to buy land and build a house. My gosh, just over the top. The car that I drive, that came up through a, a, a kind of an event with somebody uh, that did something. But, my gosh, thank you, Lord. My goodness, I don't need this. You know what I'm talking about. And you take stock of the blessings in your life that ultimately you don't really need. When you're content, then you'll be a giver. Because when you're not content, it's hard to let something go that you desire more of in a way that's not healthy. I, I know some I, I, know, I know some people that do well, but they just don't feel they can tithe. I just don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I'm not condemning them over it, but really? It's hard, it's hard to give money for things. Because when you're always chasing, you're never satisfied. You want more. You've got you to build, got to have, got to have. You'll never let anything go. Contentment is the key to giving. So I, 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 told, I, I know I told this story, so I know some people haven't heard this, but little story. My dad, my dad is, is a big giver. He gives more than my mom likes at times. I inherited that nature a little bit. But, um, and I told you a story. We went through a rough time in my life because of a physical situation he went through. We didn't have money. It's just the whole business. Um, and they moved into a house that was in massive need of uh, a renovation, right? And the, ho the house was like, uh, it, it was a one-story deal. I had a basement, one-story deal, so it was kind of spread out. But the front end of the house was shut off. Like there was a doorway, and they just simply draped a sheet over it. Don't go in there. There was no heat over there. The, the, the roof leaked. So we as kids didn't go over there, right? And through the, through the situation they had, um, they weren't able to pack much money away, right? But they were trying to save to fix things and expertly get the roof fixed because you can't fix your roof, and that just wrecks everything else, right? And that's priority. So they're putting money away to do that, 
And my dad decided that there was this kid going to Bible school and wasn't going to go back his next semester because he didn't have the money. So my dad wanted to give the money they were saving for the roof so he could go to Bible school. And my mom was like, like, for real? Give me right now. But he just felt, it's not that he wanted his family to live in a house that was in disrepair. But he was content enough that we had half a house that had a roof over it and clothes and food that he could give that savings away to help somebody outside the family, which they did. Crazy story. Now, just to put a back end on this, a couple things. I know you know this part of the story. Then, then one day, it's a Saturday morning, I'm a young kid. I was one of those kids, 6 a.m., I'm up, I'm ready to have a day, you know? Everybody's sleeping, I'm up. And these people just start pulling in our driveway. And I'm like, wait, hey, there's people here, you know, waking people. And there's a roofer that lived where, and he would drive past the house, and the Lord put it on his heart to stop and fix our roof. Turns out to be a Christian man from a church that we got to know. Fix the roof with the money that my, my parents gave to send this kid to Bible school. And the amazing thing, the kid they sent to Bible school eventually became my youth pastor, which, under which I got my call to ministry. Funny how God works. And you just never know what will happen if you obey. But a lot of times we don't obey because we're not content in our situation. I don't know if I can, Lord. I, I, I need that. I just, that's what I'm getting at. See, godliness with contentment's great gain because it sets you up for a life of obedience. So Hebrews chapter 13. Now, if I got any elements of that story wrong, my mom or dad will probably watch this and tell me, and I will correct it with you. Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See that? Again, reconfirming what Paul is saying, I can be content because it's Christ who gives me strength. The writer of Hebrews is saying, be content, be free from the love of money. Why can you do that? Because he will never leave you and he won't forsake you. Right? You will only ever be content when you really, truly believe that God is your provider. And he's going to see you through. Amen? So here's what I would like to do. I would like to do. And I don't know if I have enough. But Judah, Nate, you can help me out. Give everybody one of these for me, please. Everybody gets one. If you don't have something to write with, wave your hand around, and Al will try, or Chris will try to find something. I think we have some pens here.
So if you're, if you're watching it at home on live stream, go ahead and find something to write on and write with. And here's how we'll close out Turkey Tuesday church service. What I want you to do is turn that thing, uh, uh, not landscape, portrait, landscape portrait, portrait. And I want you to number down the side at least one through five, but if you're bold enough, one through ten. Number down, one through five or one through ten, whatever you want to do, or you can stop at seven. I don't care. Huh? You're doing ten. All right. If you're really crazy, go to eleven. <laughs> and what I want you to do is just something so simple, so easy. I want you to list, get back, Take stock of your life and list what you're thankful for. There's got to be at least five things. I'm guessing there's ten. I'm going to give you a moment to do this. And maybe it shouldn't be hard. But list what you're thankful for. I want to make a couple points with what you write down before we close out. But I'll give you a moment to, to write these things down. While you're writing, you, you know, I generally don't sit around and desire stuff. You know what I desire stuff when I go shopping with my wife? Then when I'm at TJ Maxx, oh, I'd like to have that. I didn't never wanted that until I went in that store. I didn't even know it existed. But now that I saw it, now I want that. You know, one day she did something so dangerous. She dropped me off at Cabela's and I had the credit card. I was just like, you, oh man, I don't know. Lord, Lord help me face the season of temptation as I'm walking in the store. I could spend $1,000 in Cabela's or REI just by taking two steps in there. Ooh, I could use that. Wow, I didn't know that existed. I want that. And you have to be careful. Control the desires of your heart, you know? Okay, so the things on your list How often do you give thanks for what's on here? How often do you reflect? This will help you stay content. Now, how many of you on your list, you don't have to raise your hand, there's actually a person? How often do you tell them you're thankful for them? How 
how often you do things that hurt that person. Okay, so you guys know I drive a Jeep. Again, that was a midlife crisis purge. I would do nothing to hurt that car. My daughter has yet to drive it. Why would I treat my Jeep better than I treat my wife? You see what I'm saying? You think, you think about what am I thankful for and, and how do I take care of what I'm thankful for? There's something to that. But when you learn this kind of attitude, you'll be content. My goodness. This is probably, I would guess, probably half of the stuff on your list is extras. Things that go above and beyond your basics. You're living good. That's the case. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for he is good, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for he is good, his love endures forever. He will never leave you, he won't forsake you, his strength will see you through. Be content. Amen? And then what you can do, you, you can pull uh, my... my <laughs> My grandfather passed away a few years ago um, <laughs> when we were still getting together as a family, my dad's side. Uh, he would always, at Christmas and Thanksgiving, right before the meal, pray a prayer. And these prayers were the longest prayers in the history of prayer. I would tune out before the first quarter was done. I'm thinking, Grandpa, look, I'm hungry, man. Can we, can we just eat, you know? But, but I miss those prayers now because they were very elegant. They were very thoughtful, you know. You don't have to do that, but what you can do on Thanksgiving Day, right before everybody eats, become the favorite person in the room. Okay, before we eat, I want to talk to you for a minute about thankfulness and contentment. I'm going to tell you what I'm thankful for because Tuesday night I wrote it all down. Thankful for this, thankful for this, thankful. And maybe people there, I'm thankful for you. But if you start that business, you have to do everybody because then it gets bad. So I'm thankful for you. And, you know, all right. So, but sometime this week, the point is express your thankfulness to somebody and tag with it the goodness of God because He is good. And we can, we can celebrate Thursday, and I hope you do, or sometime with your family soon, or whatever you do, and, and, you, and you have your Thanksgiving meal, whatever you eat, and, and it's a wonderful time, but it is because of the goodness of God. And let's not lose sight of that. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, that you are good, and I thank you for the, we, we would say the many blessings in life. I would say the, over, the overabundance. And I pray we never take it for granted. I pray, Lord, that we don't think those things are what life's all about. But I pray we're, we're in a place of contentment, Lord, that you teach us how to give.
And Lord, that, that we're living a life that is free from greed, free of the love of money, free of the entrapments of chasing it. But our focus is, is on godliness with contentment, which is great gain, the greatest thing we can gain. And I thank you for that, and I praise you for that. I pray everybody has a wonderful week. I pray, Lord, uh, as, as families get together and meals are made, I, I pray, Lord, that we as a church are a light for you in all that we do. That, that maybe for those that are gathering with family that don't know you as their, their savior, that, that somehow a breakthrough happens. And I pray it's not just a thanksgiving and a good meal and a good time, but, but your kingdom is, is being advanced. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen, amen, amen. Well, have a wonderful week. We'll see you uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Be blessed.